Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hello, I'm Ollie Mann, and this is a special edition of the Media Podcast coming to you from Radio Days Europe. I'm not there, obviously. I won't travel anything less than premium economy. But last week, we sent my lackey, Paul Robinson, out to grab a few interviews with top radio talent and some exciting new voices as well, with over a dozen new stations launching nationally this month. We'll give you everything you need to navigate these brave new radio times. Don't touch that dial. Well, it's been a pretty interesting month for radio in the UK. Uh, Talk Radio launched on Monday. Virgin Radio is to come on Wednesday. It's the 90s all over again. In total, 12 stations will be added to the listings over 30 days as part of the new digital multiplex. Just ahead of Talk Radio's launch in Paris to sell the station was their afternoon presenter, the comedy writer John Holmes, uh, formerly of the XFM Breakfast Show. He told Paul that every station he's ever worked for has closed down. CTFM closed and that was a small station in Canterbury, Whitstable and Hearn Bay which is kind of my first radio gig in terms of you know presenting in that sense uh, and then I went to Power FM uh, which then closed and you know was uh, subsumed by the, um, the the Ashley Table Borg Cube that assimilates everything yes. and then I was on LBC for a bit as well well obviously that, that, that thing got bought out as well so LBC as I knew it sort of stopped uh, and then yeah then Six Music almost closed uh, and then XFM closed so I'm kind of a jinx Except XFM did continue, and you, yes, you actually did do Radio X, didn't you? So what yes. was it like? How was Radio X? I mean, because that actually seems to be a station with moils on there, and people like you, that's really starting to get some traction now, whereas XFM sort of a, a child that didn't seem to be loved, maybe. That's, I think that you're absolutely right. I think what happened was it, it was kind of the runt of the global litter, uh, and while it had its very passionate and loyal listeners and, and fan base in that sense, it, it felt like a cult. It, you know, it felt, you know, that everyone working there, it, you kind of felt like the underdog, which is actually a really nice vibe. Uh, you know, and, and it does create some brilliant radio, and there are a lot of brilliant presenters doing that because um, everyone involved with it loved it and knew its listeners were passionate about it. You know, then the Moyles announcement or the Moyles rumours began, which uh, I kind of knew really early. On. In fact, I knew before my boss that this was going on. I, really? How did you, how did you I, know I then? What, what was the your inside that, track then? Without naming names, I've, somebody very high up in the radio industry tipped me off and said, "Do you know you know your breakfast show? It probably won't be your breakfast show from the autumn." And I went, "Really." Uh, and I did a bit of digging and uh, and took it to my boss and, and said, what is this about Christmas? Do you want to tell me something about Christmas? And he said, um, what are you talking about? And he had no idea. And then, uh, you know, I, I 
forced some meetings upstairs uh, and everyone had to come slightly clean, although we couldn't say it in public and everything else. So, but hey, it's the radio industry. But I think you're right. I think Radio X, you know, bringing Chris in um, in terms of, you know, then allowing him to do what he wants for content, it's great. And it, what I love about it, I've always said, ever since I've been going to radio festivals and conferences, for years, I've always bashed on about how content is king. And a lot of times people go, no, the music's the king. What you're doing there is you're just the glue. Shut up and don't talk for that long. And now it seems there's a kind of wind of change, even with people who staunchly wouldn't have said this some years ago. And everyone is now saying, actually, you, you, content is a thing, isn't it? You know, that's people to respond to it. And I think that the Radio X thing was where they, Global certainly started to embrace that. And, and, and you know, because now Chris can talk for 20 minutes without anyone uh, batting an eyelid, which would never have happened at X. But you're right, it just felt a bit unloved. And I think with the, you know, from a personal point of view, I think if they'd have chucked the right marketing money at XFM itself as a brand, it probably would have done all right, I think. But, um, you know, the way it went was right for everyone to want to do that in the industry at the time. Yeah, and if Ashley Table loves the new station, it'll be successful because he'll put money behind it, and that's what you want. That is exa- I mean, that's yeah. kind of how it works. Bottom yeah. line is, you know, if you market the hell out of something and stick some, you know, radio people on there that are pretty good at their jobs, you're going to do all right. It's about knowledge, isn't it? It's about marketing. And I hope that, you know, talk radio and uh, starting that, I mean, what I liked about that is, you know, it's an opportunity. It is a brand new station. There is a huge canvas for content because that's what it is. And so to someone like me, it's a joy. You just go, right, okay, this is fantastic. And then you, it's more or less, right, there you go, paint your radio picture on that. Well, let's talk about the new show, because this seems like a great gig for you. I mean, Talk Radio now reinvented. The, it's, it's the new Talk Radio now, a digital station, national digital station. You're doing one to four, yes. five days a week. So big canvas and all speech. So you can really let rip now, can't you? Yes. I mean, I'm approaching it very much like a music show as well, because obviously that come from that background. So I want it to sound like as fast-paced as a music show does, because I think that's that important. And it will sound a little bit different. You know, it's, we're not LBC. You know, it's not phone-ins about immigrants uh, at all. It's you know, it's not that. It's it's an, the brief is uh, get out there and entertain on a talk station. It's an entertainment-led talk station. Um, do your stuff that you do. So to have to be told that, handed that as a gift, is actually brilliant because you go right. Okay, we can really start mixing up the tropes of talk radio. Um, I mean, I'll give you a, for instance. Hey, everyone does film reviews, sure, but our film reviewer is a blind guy. And he's going to be going to screenings and embracing the film. And he's, you know, very much up for it, embracing the films however he... And then he'll review them. So he'll feel the movie. He'll basically feel the movie, yeah. And uh, and he will be marking the cinematography zero every week, I imagine, uh, where the soundtrack's going to get a high 10. Fantastic. And what else would you do? I mean, you know, that's, that's, that's great. But how are you going to um, compete? And where's the audience going to come from? I think, you you know, it's it's a brand new station. You've got to get out there and you've got to find it. I think there is one. I, you know, I absolutely think, think you've... There's a gap in the market. They've pretty nailed it there by going, well, you've got Five Live doing what well, that does. Talk sport is sport. Uh, and LBC is uh, angry taxi drivers. So you have a gap there for entertainment-led talking. I mean, it, it's kind of a no-brainer in a way. And I think, that, that, that why wouldn't there be an audience for that? You know, not everyone... Uh, everyone flicks around the dial these days. There's so much choice. But, you know, if you if you go, right, I fancy music there. I mean, for instance, I used to, my must-listen show was when Richard Bacon was on Five Live in the afternoons. Right, right. And I think that was fantastic. And I, you know, I'm a music radio fan, but I would tune into that as appointment to listen because of what he was doing on a talk station. And he wasn't really a journalist. He was entertaining, wasn't he? He was entertaining, yeah. but he was able to do light and shade as well, yeah, which yeah. is something I want to kind of do. And again, I like a challenge, you know, and I haven't done something like this before. So to get that element of light and shade as well, because yeah, we want politicians on. Yeah, we want, you know, uh, celebrities. It's kind of a new challenge. And I, and I kind of like to embrace that, but kind of bring that quirky, weird stuff to it as well. There, you know, I think there's an audience. If we can make a kind of appointment to listen in the afternoon, you know, it's, it's kind of going to come down to a war between me and Steve Wright. 
That sounds like a pretty good war, and I think that's going to be very exciting for him too. With 15 hours a day on radio, are you still going to get time to write and do the comedy stuff and your stand-up and the Radio 4 work? That remains to be seen. Uh, I managed it when I was on XFM because uh, obviously I'd kind of come off air at 10 o'clock, then work on the next day's show into the afternoon, and then there was time to do Radio 4 and everything else. So it's a slightly different end of the day, but the advantage is I won't be knackered out of my mind uh, every single day. Um, you can live a normal life. One till four is a great slot. It's a great slot, exactly. And having got up at 3 a.m. for the last three years, uh, it, I'm kind of looking forward to actually having a normal life. But I'm quite good at time management. Uh, you have to be. And I get bored easily, and I like to do a lot of different things. Uh, so, um, yeah. That's a yes, then, basically. That's a basically yes. John Holmes, thank you very much. You're welcome. John Holmes there. Uh, John mentioned the competition from LBC, uh, and as it so happens, Nick Ferrari was also backstage. Uh, you might know him off the uh, inferior to Ollie Mann's LBC show, LBC Breakfast Show. Uh, with a national reach, growing audiences and live feeds of their studios regularly featured on TV news, Paul Robinson asked Ferrari, what is LBC's strength? Opinion, opinion and opinion. The BBC is an extraordinary organisation, but by its very nature, because it is a public sector broadcaster, it has to provide balance because everybody's paying uh, the licence fee. Our balance is provided by the callers. If you go into a coffee shop or a restaurant or a bar, you might say that you think that this particular person or this particular idea or David Cameron is absolutely bonkers about Europe, or you might think he's a genius. You have presenters who have strong opinions and the balance is provided by the callers. Does it ever happen that you will assert something and the callers will go, yeah, Nick, you're totally right, I agree? Boring radio, I would argue. If you does do it that. happen? Uh, yes, unfortunately, sometimes it does. You, uh, here's an insight. If you're prepared to disagree with me, if you ring up and you say, I think Nick Ferrari is absolutely bloody bonkers on this one and he's mad and get him off, you're more likely to get on air than if you agree. People telling presenters that they're a genius does not make great radio. Uh, you could argue that sadly at the moment, because there's quite a lot of polarisation in British politics, wherever you stand on the Brexit debate, you might get it's pretty much a yes or no. It's quite a binary decision there. So there is a lot of that. But no, you would never just want to hear people agree with the host. How important are the call Cleggs, the Boris Johnson phone-ins? I mean, these seem to have been tremendously successful rating-wise, but also they've been of the moment, haven't they? You've been very lucky you've captured the political mood. I mean, Boris presumably is good box office for you. I don't know that you could put a financial value on uh, Call Clegg or Boris Johnson. It's been phenomenal because um, we were able to get so much publicity. Indeed, sometimes we would still be talking, and I've seen Nick Clegg catch out of his eye that it was actually running on the Sky News monitor just a few moments what he'd said. This is incredible. This is uh, amazing marketing. These are people... It was of the moment. There was such fascination about Nick Clegg when he was Deputy Prime Minister. It had been so long since Britain had a coalition. You had this kind of strange dynamic between him and David Cameron, who I think actually got on better personally than perhaps we thought. And Boris Johnson, you're absolutely... Boris Johnson is box office. Look, he's reinvigorated the Brexit debate. Suddenly, it is, it's not only OK to be a Brexiter or Brexiteer, it's actually quite fashionable to do it. And that is what Boris Johnson is about. And what is marvellous, and the way you can sometimes sell it to them, is that there's no sub-editing. Right? So you come on my show and you get asked a question about the euro or Europe or bus lanes or whatever it might be, or bedroom tax, anything from bus lanes to bedroom tax. We don't sub your answer. We don't sit in an edit booth and cut it up for telly with different video. You get asked the question by Charlie and Bexley. You give the answer and that's what goes out there. Does Boris realise what a great opportunity is? Because you don't get this opportunity on Radio 4, do you? I think Boris does realise. Remember, he's got access, he's got that newspaper column, but he's a tremendous media, un- he's understandable media and what it can do. Um, and you just look at the spike in calls. And I must, pay, I must pay credit to Nigel Farage, I have to tell you, uh, that he really makes the dial spin. When he comes on, the number of calls that flooded. Now, of course, we are talking in 
we're not even in the middle yet of this damn referendum. But we're talking in the early stages of the referendum. But he gets a massive amount of calls as well. Now, you've actually got your station, LBC, has got the highest market share amongst commercial stations in the UK. I mean, you're the first commercial station on air, 8th of October 1973. That's an amazing turnaround because LBC hasn't always had good days, if we're honest. It's had some very dark days. Uh, yes, it has had some dark days and it perhaps rather lost its way. Um, I think that's obviously, I'm going to pay tribute to Global and I will in a moment, but we should pay credit and tribute to Chrysalis, who were the owners who took it from um, ITN, when I think it's fair to say it, nobody quite knew which direction to take it. It was perhaps not as loved as it could be. Chrysalis really gave it a go, but yes, it's with Global, such ambition. We've talked about these extraordinary studios uh, from which I broadcast, which Honestly, you could you could broadcast any station, any TV news bulletin you like out of those studios. They are fantastic. That is the level of commitment that Global are bringing. It does look beautiful. So presumably now you can clip stuff and you can just go straight on the telly. And of course, the BBC use you a lot. Better than clip it. It's a direct feed from direct the broadcast feed. tower. So, right. so as Nigel Farage is saying what he's saying, or Boris Johnson tomorrow says what he says, whatever, is literally a feed going out. Um, and, and that's a massive boost, yeah. And, and credit to them, most of the time, particularly Sky and IT and even BBC grudgingly sometimes put up the LBC Chiron or Aston. Yeah, I mean, you've been going 40 years in London, now national. Does that mean, though, you can't focus on London in the way you could? No, it means we work harder. Uh, what does means, that mean? It means that journalists, if you have a story that is pretty much a London story, the closure of some libraries, whatever it might be. Here's a good example. Two weeks ago or a week ago, there's a hideous story in London called the, uh, the Croydon Cat Slasher. This is someone who's going around beheading and mutilating cats. We have to present that story. So there's no point doing it in a parochial way. And let's be honest about it. People own cats up and down the land. You don't just own cats in Croydon. Lots of people own cats. You do it in a way, and I'm an old sun bloke and an old mirror bloke. You do it in a way that has appeal to everybody. So it means we have to be smarter. We have to be better at our job. But that's not a bad thing. And what about Radio 5 Live? It's maybe not at its sort of uh, best at the moment. I guess that's maybe partially because you've taken audience away. Wouldn't know. Uh, I don't think it behoves me to... I, I, I'm, I'm not being difficult. I genuinely don't don't listen to a lot of Five Live, so I, I'm not going to hear, sit here and, and sit in judgment. All I would say is they've got some very talented presenters. I'm sure they've got some talented management. Um, you know, a, a bit like the end of a football season. If we lift the Premier Crown, then I'll worry about it. At the moment, I just concentrate on the next game. You worked at the Old Talk Radio, which is now back, of course, as a digital national station. Are they going to be doing a similar thing to you, or, or do you not know at this point? Uh, I don't know. Um, again, let's wait and hear. I know that there are some people who I've worked with and against, and I've worked alongside who are going there. Listen, anybody that anything that gets people into speech radio has to be welcomed. If that is a gateway, I'm happy to steal them. You look very fresh for a guy who gets up early and does the breakfast show. How many more years can you do it, Nick? Uh, as long as they want me. I'm so delighted to be doing it. I said uh, in the conference just now, and I mean it, it is the second best job to being a dad. I'm very lucky to have found it. I was a print bloke through and through, then a little bit of telly uh, in management. I am so fortunate to have been taken into it. I think you were one of my early bosses. I seem to recall you tried to hire me, actually. I, I, I did, I yes. I remember the contract coming through yes, and I, I saw did, that, yes. that figure looks pretty yeah, good. Yeah. Some, reason, <laughs> some reason I didn't take it. So as long as I can keep doing it, I'll, I'll, as long as, the, as long as I keep taking the inoculations, I'll stick I mean, Tarrant did 17 years at Capital, so I think uh, you've got a way to go till 17 years. I've got quite years. a way to go. I bumped into Chris the, just before Christmas, and uh, we didn't talk about that, but he's still in great shape. Wow. If, if, listen, never mind the longevity. If I have half the impact and half the career that Mr. Tarrant enjoyed, I'll be happy. Nick Ferrari there, talking to Paul Robinson. <laughs> 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Before we continue with the show, just a quick word about our listener campaign, if you will indulge me for just a second. We are looking for 300 listeners to help support the media podcast. 300 people who could find a minute to pick up their plastic. Head to themediapodcast.com and donate. And here is a little added emotional blackmail. Next week is going to be our 10th birthday. That is right. On Sunday, the 27th of March, we will be celebrating 10 glorious years of media news and analysis. No cards, please. No book tokens. We just need your cash, thanks. It's getting much more expensive to raise a podcast these days, especially with uh, all those university tuition fees to think about. I'm losing the metaphor, but you get the gist. Spoil us. Head to themediapodcast.com slash donate. Help us make it to 11. Thanks. Away from the keynotes, Radio Days Europe launched a new scheme this year, giving young radio professionals aged between 18 and 30 the chance to go to Paris to the conference for free. There were two next-gen winners from the UK, and Sam Bonham managed to grab a quick chat with one of them, Juliet Nichols from Heart FM. It has been a total whirlwind of amazing, meeting amazing people, amazing sessions, learning loads of new radio stuff, meeting other young people who are in radio. It has been brilliant. What exactly is Next Generation? You guys have come here on, on a scheme with Radio Days. What is it? So it's up-and-coming, enthusiastic, passionate radio people who want to network and meet other people and, and learn stuff, I guess. What did you need to do in order to become a next-genner at Radio Days? I had to make a video saying why I wanted to be here, who I am, what I do, and what I want to get out of it. So what have you learned? You've been here in Paris for two or three days. You've seen Lord knows how many sessions. What have you taken away? I think the main things I'm going to take away are a lot of things to do with my voiceovers, so how we're going to use their pitch, how we're going to use their word count to really improve what they do and cut through to listeners, and also what kind of music I use to cut through to listeners. So really targeting people, affecting people, making sure that what we're doing does what it's meant to do, basically. 
So I was in that session as well, run by Mark Barber from Radio Centre, all about music used in ads and the selection of music in ads. Now, this is the first type of radio conference that you've been to. When you've been choosing music for your global ads, what kind of decisions have you been making? What's been important uh, when picking a song? So it's a lot about what the heart sound is. So that's like the basis of my music decision making. But then it's about seasonality. It's about what is in the charts, what I'm listening to, what I like. That's basically how I pick my music. Um, And obviously what the trail's all about. Um, But now I can go to this music brand navigator, put in the kind of feeling that I'm trying to get out of what I'm doing, and then it will give me loads of ideas. So it's going to be amazing. I'm really excited about that. We've just heard where next year's Radio Days uh, is going to be. Do you think you'll be on your way to Amsterdam? I really want to be there, 100%. I actually need to convince my bosses to send me now, really, don't I? Juliet Nichols there, winner of Next Gen 16. Next up, with the Syrian refugee crisis still to be resolved and the resulting chaos on the borders of Europe, radio can provide some comfort for those fleeing persecution and war. Uh, Rosanna Radio features music, talk and drama for those travelling to and living in camps and their editor-in-chief spoke to Paul Robinson about covering the crisis. But first to speak was moderator Rod McKenzie about the key issues from the discussion. Well, I think the key issues is uh, there are two ways of covering the story, at least. One is from the perspective of European broadcasters. What do they do about the influx of refugees that have come to their countries and how do they reflect that in a fair, impartial and non-inflammatory way, which is clearly a danger? And then there's another view, which is... You're Syrian, you've arrived in a foreign country, you're maybe not familiar with the language or the culture, and who is supporting you? And we heard a view from Syrian radio about how in France and other countries that can be done. Well, Lena Chow, if you're here from Syrian radio, from Radio Rosanna, what is the, um, the purpose of your radio station? What are you aiming to do with Radio Rosanna? Uh, uh, our aiming is uh, from the f- uh, beginning uh, the, the, to be the voice of all the Syrian uh, to have their freedom and dignity and everywhere inside Syria and outside Syria. So is it about helping Syrians who have become migrants and to help them to adapt or is it giving them advice about how to um, uh, you know, conduct their lives or not to, not to travel? What, what are you trying to advise? No, we don't advise something like this but uh, there is a lot of Syrian who call and ask but we don't give any uh, advice about, yeah, you have to leave your country and go like uh, to other uh, country or becoming a refugee. But uh, we are talking about what's really happening with a refugee outside and what's really happening inside with the Syrian, but we don't give any advice. You see people making desperate choices. I mean, they're, they're in boats, high risk, you know, loss of life. How do you make that decision? When someone decides to try and get to another country, it must be a terribly heartbreaking decision for a Syrian. It's very heartbreaking for everybody. But when you ask them, they said, we don't have anything to lose anymore. We're facing death every day here. At, at least there we have only a chance, one chance to survive. So we will risk our life. Even now in the winter, you ask them, the sea, it's not good to go. They say, okay, we will go. And you know, when we, we talk to you, they, they, they laugh and they smile and they like they they are going in an adventure maybe they will kill or sink in the in the sea and they you find them laughing and smiling but life is so bad they're willing to take that risk yes 
Rob McKenzie, what are the biggest challenges for journalists covering this crisis? I think it's very easy to get too close to this story. Uh, in other words, you lose your impartiality. We heard uh, during our discussion from Alice Petrin, who's the migration correspondent for Swedish Radio, and she does nothing other than cover the migration issue. How does she remain impartial under those circumstances? I think most journalists with a heart will see pictures of people suffering and feel sympathetic. So how do you stand aside from that and say, let's look at the issue, let's look at the facts here, let's use the right language uh, and try and give a fair summation so that people can make their own choices? Rod McKenzie. Back to the UK now, and D Ford spoke up for commercial radio group Bauer, discussing their rapid growth in recent years through their brands, Absolute, Kiss and Magic. But can they make gains on global without acquiring more stations? After all, the wireless group, formerly known as UTV, which owns Talk Sport and all those other new talk brands, they are ripe for the picking. Graham Bryce, managing director of Bauer Radio, spoke to Paul. I think they're very focused products in the national marketplace. I think they're brands that really stand for something. So if you think about what KISS stands for a brand, I think you know exactly what you're getting if you if you listen to that radio station. The same with Absolute and the same with Magic. So I think they're very focused products, very strong brands, very simple propositions, and now able to broadcast nationally. Now with KISS, Dee talked about very strong hours, but um, this issue of younger listeners and declining listener per listener, is that something that you have an issue with? And how are you how are you tackling it? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a, it's an industry-wide issue where uh, listening hours for the younger end are falling. Interestingly, I just looked at the average hours of the last five years for the youth brands in the UK, and Kiss have fallen less than its competitors, which I think is interesting. Um, but I think all those brands, and Kiss is very good at this, is becoming a very much a multi-platform offering. So it's about multiple touch points, be that on the radio, be that on a mobile phone, be that on television, be it visual, be it social media. Yeah, every brand now has to think about where its consumers are and create a product for that consumer on the right, at the right time on the right platform. There are quite a lot of commercial radio stations, not necessarily the Bauer Media ones, which are very much back-to-back music, fairly minimal presentation. If you do that on commercial radio, how are you differentiating yourself from music streaming services like Spotify? Yeah, I think it's a massive worry, and I think, um, if anything, I think the commercial radio industry as a whole has to think long and hard about its CHR format. And I think that if we continue to have a bit of a race for higher rotations and, and less content and more music, then that point of differentiation will, will fade away. And I think we have to think long and hard about how do we create a radio station for the 21st century that talks to a 19-year-old and their life today. And I think it's probably a little bit different from what we're doing now. The BBC talk a lot about music curation, you know, trusted DJs who love music and who can turn you on to music and are experts in their fields. Commercial radio doesn't do that much of that sort of music anymore. Mm. No, I, th- I think that's right. But I think, I think the, you know, the old adage of what, why people listen to the radio is exactly the same. It's about personality. It's about a friendship. It's about a communication. It's about a relationship. And if you look at something like Kiss, I think that breakfast show is probably the closest you've got in the UK to something that really talks to that generation in their own tone of voice and talking about what they're, what's of interest to them. You're the managing director of the big city stations, the the heritage ILRs, I guess, in the big cities like Manchester and Leeds and Preston and Liverpool and so on. How do you keep those stations relevant? They've been around for 40 years. It's a challenge because the brands have been around for 40 years. So they're seen as a little bit, maybe a little bit dusty and a little bit tired in places. So what we have to do is keep reinventing them and making sure that, again, it's that idea of being a trusted friend, a soundtrack to a city, keeping that connection with 
people's lives because people's lives are different in every single city so we have to make sure that that we're with them and we know where they live we know where the kids go to school we know there's traffic problems we know um, everything about their lives and then reflecting that back on air You've also got um, a lot of stations in Scotland, and um, some of them are quite small. I mean, quite large geographical areas, like, for example, MFR, mm-hmm. but actually a very small audience. Mm-hmm. Now, somehow you manage to make those stations relevant to their communities, but also make money. That's a very different thing to running, you know, Key 103 in Manchester. Mm-hmm. How does Bauer manage to sort of ride both those horses? I think, I think we just look at every year about how do we make the radio stations that we have as efficient as possible while still staying really true to our core brand values. So I think people who listen to MFR now, behind the scenes, they probably won't realise how differently we run that radio station than how we ran it 10 years ago. But what comes at the speakers is still as relevant, as engaging, as informed, as of the areas it's always been. But the way that we produce that content or produce that radio station is vastly different from how we did it 10 years ago. Now, Bauer have been very successful, I think probably the most successful commercial radio group at driving digital listening. I think um, Dee quotes a figure of well over 50% of your audience hours are actually now digital hours, which include DAB and and other digital platforms. What's the end game there? Well, the the end game um, for Bauer as a business is to be the largest radio group in the UK. I mean, that's our ambition. Um, We're the largest radio group, if you look at digital listening, so our, our mantra internally is uh, if, if we continue to maintain and, in fact, grow our digital superiority when digital transition comes, and it will happen, you know, we would hope at that point we, we will have used that gain to our advantage and potentially be the biggest radio group in the UK. As Dee said, uh, you're now on a level playing field, and in fact, of the 41 national stations, 30 commercial because of DAB, the old FM days, obviously the BBC had the majority of spectrum. Would you also grow as well as organically by acquisition? Would you, for example, make a bid for the wireless group? Yeah, we wouldn't, we wouldn't comment, obviously, on, on individual uh, station um, potential acquisitions, but I think we've said very publicly that the Bowers, uh, our owners, are very pro-radio. UK was the biggest radio um, group that they bought at the time. They're very happy with the performance of radio and are now have publicly stated that radio is a core part of the Bower business going forward. So we're looking at acquisitions in the UK internationally, uh, right around the world, because we want to grow our, our radio business globally. Well, that's it from Radio Days Paris. Big thanks to Paul Robinson and to Sam Bonham for taking time out of the sessions to help make this show. Uh, Next year, we'll be in Amsterdam to cover Radio Days 2017. Hopefully. Uh, All that depends on your support. So keep the cash rolling in. TheMediaPodcast.com slash donate. I've been Ollie Mann. Follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Ollie with a Y, M-A-N-N. The producer is Matt Hill, the Media Podcast, a PPM production. Until next time, bye-bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.